Hello, Louisiana. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Thursday, October 10th of 2019. Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. The LSU Ag Center is planning a series of Farm Bill information sessions coming up later this month. We'll talk more about those sessions and what you can expect to hear with LSU Ag Center Ag Economist, Dr. Michael Deliberto. That's coming up later in the podcast. But first, here's a look at news headlines. USDA released its latest crop production and supply and demand report this morning, and it shows that forecasts for corn, soybean, and cotton production are adjusted down for each of those crops. Rod Bain has more from Washington. More adjustments lower for spring crop production estimates, according to USDA's October production forecast released Thursday. The latest numbers show corn production down less than a percent from the September reports, despite a very slight uptick in yields. Soybean production forecasts are down 2% month over month and 20% lower from the previous year, with yields down a bushel from last month. Corn production forecasts are down 1% from September, but up 18% from 2018. The lower production forecasts translate price-wise to a 20 cent per bushel increase in corn, a 50% bushel increase in beans, and no change in the season-ending average cotton price from the previous month. USDA's first all-orange production forecast for the new marketing year shows no change from last year's final count, and Florida's all-orange production up 3% from the final numbers from 2018-19. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Another round of trade talks with the Chinese is underway in Washington today and tomorrow. China's back in the U.S. this week, beginning discussions again about how we can resolve this issue. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue. President Trump is not going to go back and let them do continual intellectual property theft, transfer of technology in their quest for world dominance. This isn't just about agriculture. This is about world dominance. President Trump told reporters at the White House that it's good the talks are resuming. As to whether or not we make a deal, I don't know, but there's certainly a good possibility. But the relationship is a very good one. China has been buying more U.S. soybeans lately, over one and a half million tons in the last week of September. The American Farm Bureau Federation is proposing changes to the federal milk marketing order to better serve dairy farmers. Michael Clements reports. Proposed changes to the federal milk marketing order by the American Farm Bureau Federation could mean more democracy and a more equitable program for all dairy farmers. John Newton, AFBF chief economist, says the working group of Farm Bureau members identified four priorities. All dairy farmers should have a voice and a vote on changes to milk pricing regulation, and that deals directly with the ability of co-ops to block vote. Farmers on the working group wanted to see improved risk sharing among farmers, cooperatives, and their processors. The working group recommended improve price discovery for milk prices, and finally, some provisions to streamline and simplify the pricing and pooling provisions in the southeast U.S. Newton says several years of low milk prices prompted the effort. The voting delegates in January asked us to convene this working group following several years of low milk prices and some struggles in the marketing chain for dairy products. So this working group was tasked to find a way to update and modernize these federal milk marketing orders so that dairy farmers and their co-ops and processes 
processes can be more successful in the future. Farm Bureau members will consider adding the recommendations to the Farm Bureau Policy Book during the 2020 AFBF Annual Convention and Trade Show in Austin, Texas. Now we need to do what we do best, and that's engage our grassroots members across the country and go through that grassroots policy development process, ultimately culminating in our business session in January. We'll have an opportunity to update Farm Bureau policy on federal orders. Michael Clements, Washington. Heavy rains in the spring affected Louisiana sweet potatoes just like most other crops. But the weather did straighten up some in the summer, and the 2019 sweet potato crop is looking pretty good. That's according to Acadia Parish sweet potato grower Michael Garber. It did hurt, you know, especially our sweet potato crop early with some of the big rains in June. Summer has been pretty good. You know, it's been good average weather during the summer so far. The the fall is starting out, you know, with favorable weather conditions, so... You know, so so overall, you know, this has been more of an average to better than average, you know, weather year for us so far. Garber says that is a welcome change from all the problems they had last year. Our soybean crop, we were able to harvest about half of it. Sweet potatoes, we lost a third of the crop in the field. And similar to the soybeans, you know, a lot of what we brought in had, you know, additional damage. Louisiana sweet potato harvest is now 48% complete, according to the latest Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report released earlier this week. A man previously accused of involvement in a Louisiana cattle theft ring has been indicted in Texas on charges that he stole cattle there as well. The Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association says that Texas authorities arrested Justin Glenn Thompson last week on an additional felony cattle theft charge. He was indicted on three related charges last month as part of an ongoing investigation by TSCRA and the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry. Investigators say that in this case, Thompson purchased cattle from a Texas rancher by saying he was a representative from a Louisiana-based feeding company. But authorities say that he doctored invoices and wrote bad checks and diverted the profit to himself. That is a look at some of the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Remember, you can always stay up to date by checking our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. We update it every weekday with all the latest news and happenings in our state's agricultural industry. While you're there, click that button right in the middle of the homepage. It says click here to get our daily news update. Just fill out your name and email address, and we'll send you our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. It contains all the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. We'll send it right to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. Now let's look at the markets on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. USDA released its monthly crop production and supply and demand report this morning. It didn't affect the soybean market much, but the corn market dropped sharply. Oliver Slope is with Blue Line Futures in Chicago. It has been very busy, and busy is always better than bored. I wish we were busy in a positive market, but seeing the corn market come off is, is not the greatest thing in the world. And quite frankly, I'm a little surprised we're down this much. We've seen more bearish reports have less of a reaction, but that ending stock number continues to be a thorn in the side for this market. I wouldn't be surprised to see the dust settle, though, going into the weekend. You know, we've got that big uh, weather scare kind of looming, and I think we're going to start to focus a little bit more on that. With regards to potential yield, sure, the USDA hiked it just a hair, but I think over time they're going to have to walk that back. I consistently hear that we're off about 20 to 25 bushels. Not that that has to be right now, but I think at some point 
that sparks uh, some short covering from the funds. Obviously, they're not in any rush right now. From the technical perspective, the bulls must hold 377 to 383. This was previous resistance and kind of where we recently broke out. So previous resistance now becomes support. This is a must-hold area for us going into the weekend. Soybeans closed fractionally lower today. November beans down a quarter cent, 9.23 and a half. January down a half, 9.37 and a half. But a big drop in the corn market. December corn down 14 cents, 3.80 and a quarter. March corn down 14, closing at 3.91 and a half. July wheat down six and a quarter, 5.10 a bushel. The rough rice market closed higher today. Mark Tall is a rice marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. The futures market has gained speed since the low on Monday. The next week or two may be interesting with possibly another rate cut and just maybe a U.S.-China deal. Investors are hoping to bridge the gap soon. The long grain market is moving right along at 12.1900 delivered Crowley based on a 62 over 70 number two for conventional only with 70 totals and excellent grade quality while others are 1173 FOB the form. Some producers are holding out for 1235-100 due to lower crop yields. The most recent medium grain sold for 1235 with March delivery. A lot of field work has been taking place over the last two to three weeks with such favorable weather conditions. Rice marketer Mark Tall. November rice up three and a half cents, closing at 1204-100 weight. January rice up three and a half at 1232 and a half. January sugar was up nine points, closing at 26 cents even. Now with a look at the cotton market, here's Don Molino. The 2019-20 U.S. cotton supply demand estimate from USDA shows slightly lower production and ending stocks compared with last month. Production has lowered less than 1% to 21.7 million bales, largely the result of a reduction in Texas. Domestic mill use and exports are unchanged from last month, and ending stocks have reduced 200,000 bales. At 7 million bales, U.S. ending stocks in 2019-20 are projected at 36% of use compared to 27% in 2018-19. The 2019-20 season average price for upland cotton is forecast at 58 cents a pound, unchanged from last month, and 12.5 cents lower than in 2018-19. New crop December cotton finished 61.49 down 60, March 62.12, down 68. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. At Dominique's Livestock Market in Baton Rouge and Opelousas this week, two to three hundred pound steers bought a dollar to a dollar seventy a pound. Three to four weight steers, 95 cents to a dollar sixty. Four to five hundred pounders brought 90 to a dollar fifty-five a pound. Five to six weight steers, 80 cents to a dollar forty with six to seven weights bringing 75 cents to $1.20 a pound. Slaughter cows ranged from 20 cents to 55 cents a pound. Slaughter bulls brought 55 to 82 cents. On the futures market, live cattle were higher October up 25 cents, 108.72, but feeder cattle closed lower. October feeders down 20, 144.30. November down 12 at 144.12. The LSU Ag Center is hosting a series of Farm Bill informational meetings across the state during the month of October. We'll talk more about those meetings and what you can expect to hear with LSU Ag Economist Dr. Michael Deliberto. That's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Growing up in Sarepta, I could see the value of agriculture every time I left the house. Whether it was timber going to the paper mill or cattle in a pasture, I knew the farmers, ranchers, and landowners were keeping my hometown on the map. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation helps keep them in business. So join the Farm Bureau today. Become a member at LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Michael Deliberto, ag economist with the LSU Ag Center. Mike, how are things on campus as we get ready to take on Florida Saturday night? Is the energy really good there right now? Well, I think so, and uh, I think game day is going to be right across from our building in the quad, so I guess I'll have a front row seat to all of it, but uh, I'm predicting a win, so I hope... uh, I hope Coach O will call me and ask what I think because uh, I'll just tell him to keep on doing what you're doing and let Burrow throw the ball and make good decisions. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a game plan. I know. Well, now that we got the important stuff out of the way. <laughs> exactly. The one thing I called you about today, I wanted to talk to you about these Farm Bill information sessions that the Ag Center is putting on this month. You've got a marathon run throughout the state coming up later here in October. Tell me why you're putting on these Farm Bill information sessions around the state. Well, first, Carrie, we're really fortunate to have a great Farm Bureau network. Um, the local uh, directors, the commodity specialists, uh, we have a really good FSA director, probably one of the best in the nation, uh, with Mr. Uh, McCain that we've invited to come and speak as well. And folks with like the Cotton and Grain Association have really got behind us and given us the support that we need to tailor an agenda that we feel would be beneficial to producers, landowners, agricultural lenders, uh, and really the entire agricultural sector to understand the risk management strategies, the programmatic overview, some of the administrative changes that were ushered in with this new 2018 Farm Bill. Back in 2014, when we did uh, a similar round of Farm Bill education, Uh, outreach throughout the state, it was a much more daunting task because of the nature of really the major rewrite to how commodity programs and crop insurance worked in the 2014 bill. Gone were the direct payments, and they had these new revenue support programs called ARC, and the price loss coverage program was similar to the target price program, but uh, cotton was no longer a covered commodity, and there was base reallocations, and really the mammoth amount of uh, information that was required for producers to make those decisions really warranted continual outreach that we had done, uh, you know, as an LSU ad center, but also inviting the FSA experts to come in and speak to the programmatic end of things, uh, partnering with Farm Bureau and the commodity organization so that we made sure that we were efficient with our time, but also we were able to provide assistance for a landowner, a producer, a banker, anybody that needed a little bit of an understanding or wanted to see an example or wanted to use a decision tool so they can effectively evaluate what's the level of risk management that the ARC program is giving me over the PLC program. So we really got behind this 2018 Farm Bill with that same drive, that same passion, that same cooperation and collaboration between all these different agencies and individuals. But the programs are really a continuation of what was already in the current farm law. 
Uh, seed cotton is now uh, a covered commodity. We did a lot of uh, educational outreach uh, last year on the seed cotton program and the reallocation of base acres there. All that stuff is on file already with the FSA office for our cotton producers. But the main intent behind this series of talks were to invite FSA to come and they can and let them speak to some of the programmatic and the administrative overviews of the ARC and PLC program, the yield updates, what forms were needed, uh, how yields were to be certified when they went to their local FSA office, what the list of deadlines were going to be, and really outline for producers and landowners what decisions needed to, needed to be made and what was a realistic and a reasonable timeline for those individuals that wanted to sign up early or wanted to wait till the deadline date, just what those options were, when things ne needed to get done there. Um, our job as the LSU Ad Center was mainly to talk about the economics of these decisions. Now that we've presented an overview of how these programs work, how do producers or landowners or bankers start to develop price forecasts, look at yield trends over time, use a decision tool for ARC and PLC in what is really a much different pricing environment than we had in the 2014-2015 crop year when the old farm bill was really ushered in. Uh, I looked at some notes from some of those meetings that we had done back in uh, the fall of 2014, and corn price was never going to be below $4, soybeans were going to be above 10 rice was never going to be below $12 a hundredweight, and, you know, those times have changed. The commodity markets are, are very fluid. It's, they're, they're very dynamic in themselves. So how do producers effectively manage price risk or revenue risk when we're talking about corn in 2019-2020? Because maybe the decision and the approach you took to mitigate risk for corn in 2014-2015, it's completely different now given the different set of market conditions that uh, we're facing. Um, there were a number of changes, even though they were uh, arguably subtle, and I guess that's a, a word that a lot of the trade's been using uh, to kind of dissect this bill from the 2014 Farm Bill, but those changes uh, I think are really going to help producers. Uh, first and foremost, in that 2014 Farm Bill, producers had to make a one-time irrevocable decision for ARC or PLC program participation. Well, this year they make an irrevocable decision only for the 19 and 20 crop years. So for the 2021, 2022, 2023 crop years, producers are going to have the flexibility to select what program in the out years that they want to participate in that they feel like would be a better risk management strategy for their operation given the changing the changes that we're likely to see in commodity prices moving forward. ART payments are no longer going to be based on the administrative county of the farm. They're going to be based on the physical locations of the farm. Uh, beginning in the 2020 crop year, producers can update their program yields for the purposes of the, P of the PLC program. Uh, the ART program now includes a lag year with how their benchmark revenues and thresholds are calculated. And these are types of some of the decisions that FSA is going to present to producers in these workshops. But then the LSU Ad Center is going to dive a little bit more deeper, deeper into the mathematics and the economics and saying, this is how we could evaluate the trade-off between two programs if the corn price was 360, but what if it goes down to 340? And really provide producers with a set of options and a set of decision tools that they can use so that they can 
look at these programs and decide based on their own farming operation, their own preferences for risk, their ability to bear risk, their willingness to bear risk, what program is going to provide them revenue or price protection for the base acres that they have on their farm because both programs are decoupled from planning decisions. So that was the overall goal of, our, uh, of these workshops. Uh, we've been planning this since uh, late summer. Um, we're going to be in uh, Oak Grove, uh, Macon Ridge, the research station in Winsboro, Mansura, Rayville, Bossier City, Alexandria, and Crowley um, over over a span of October 22nd through, I think the last meeting is October 31st. And again, I'd like to thank Farm Bureau for sending that meeting announcement out. Uh, the county agents have a list of these uh, meeting times and locations. Um, we invite anybody that wants to attend is per, is always welcome. There's no registration fee. Uh, come one, come all. Uh, we're going to try our best to have some handouts there um, on some of this material, even if it's just a programmatic overview or a website that people can go to, because our intent is not to use a three-hour meeting to be the only exposure an individual would have to this information. Um, digest the information, ask questions. We'll be available for 20 or 30 minutes after the meetings to address specific questions uh, to the best of our ability uh, for, for those producers or landowners that maybe have a maybe a different situation or a complex set of circumstances there. Uh, we're ready, willing, and able to, again, help people use these tools and interpret the information so that at the end of the day, they can make the decision based on their strategy of how they're going to mitigate risk uh, on these uh, farm acres. And, um, you know, again, we just can't thank the co uh, collaborators and the county agents enough for helping us get the word out um, and uh, spread the sp spread the news, so to speak. And we're trying to hopefully release some decision tools within the next week or so uh, here at the Ad Center where producers can look at the ARC PLC comparison uh, prior to some of these meetings so that when, when I presented at these uh, meetings through a PowerPoint, producers hopefully have seen it before, they've gotten an email about it from their county agent, uh, because sometimes these decision tools, the best way to really understand the meat and potatoes of them, of how they work, is really to sit down with it use it on a parish-specific, commodity-specific basis like that. And again, that's kind of the secondary goal to all this is to get producers comfortable with using Microsoft Excel. We've provided minimal data entry that individuals can use to let these tools evaluate how these programs perform at different price levels. Well, Mike, you've already mentioned that these, of course, are great meetings for farmers, but also for landowners, bankers, Anyone else who is interested in how the farm bill is going to affect Louisiana agriculture, it looks like this would be a great session for them as well. Uh, it, it will be. We'll have our contact information there. We're a phone call away. Um, and if a producer can't make any of these meetings, we've tried to be somewhat strategic in the locations we've picked to give producers options um, with the harvest and the, the, the lateness of some of the crops this year. Uh, we felt that this was a, a, a good time to target the individuals before the holidays and if they wanted to make some sign-ups for the 19 year uh, sooner rather than later. But again, uh, we're always a phone call away. Uh, we'll have our contact information and business cards at these meetings, um, and we'll provide you know market updates. Uh, I do an ad policy newsletter uh, that's also available for free distribution as well. So uh, producers can have access to this information, and it's our intent to give them all the help they need. Dr. Michael Deliberto, Ag Economist with the LSU Ag Center. Thanks so much for the information, Mike. 
Okay, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And that does it for this Thursday edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the week. In the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.